0: Hello friends of Soul Kitchen, thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Jasper Muzarts. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach and wisdom seeker. With Soul Kitchen I interview people that inspire me, from TED speakers to social entrepreneurs, from activists to artists, from dreamers to seekers, from business people to spiritual teachers. With Soul Kitchen, I empower people to live their quest, and each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Welcome to a new episode, episode 56. Today, it's the first time with video. I'm sitting in the, on the land of uh, Rosa Bertram. If you Google her, you also find uh, a top model from, uh, from Belgium. Thank you for inviting me today.
1: Yeah, amazing that you came. So cool. Welcome.
0: And um, I got introduced to Rosa through Carlijn um, that you've seen in the podcast. She talked about purpose and personal leadership and how you can design your day. And um, Rosa has written a book about the magic of travel. And she's also an yeah adventurous, conscious writer. And she writes for Bedrock, the popular Dutch magazine and podcast show for Body, mind, and better world, and um, yeah. Since I'm a big traveler as well, I was curious to uh, to talk to her. So, how? Where are we uh, at the moment?
1: The moment we're in the in the southwest of Portugal. It's uh, the Algarve, mm-hmm. the part of the the Algarve that you don't hear so much from usually, like back home in Holland. But um, yeah, we're uh, in a cute little forest, not too far from the ocean.
0: And how did you end up in this uh, this place?
1: Oh, that's uh how did I end up? I guess life leads you to places and I guess uh, Yeah, I came from a from a place where That's oh, it's very long question. <laughs> Let's see where we start. But um no, I think um I'm now in a place in my life where e- even though travelling is a big topic in my life, but I think that I now came to a place in my life where I like to settle a bit more to ground and roots and it happened to be here in Portugal for now. (laughs) For now. And I think I ended up here also because I've lived in Australia for some years, which I really enjoyed. Um, But also it's very hard to stay there much longer than a few years. Uh, And I guess a lot of things remind me here in Portugal of Australia.
0: Mm, So what elements? Um,
1: I think it's the rough cliffs. And uh, the wild ocean, the surf life, the connection with the nature. It's like, uh, yeah, there's a very much like this outdoor culture here that I like. Plus, there's a lot of people from all over the place here mm. that that also like the outdoor living. Um, and I like, yeah, it's a bit wild, you know. This The, the, the south part of Europe is mm. not so organized as the rest of the... Uh, it's organized. a
0: bit more remote, right? It feels a bit more remote. remote.
1: Yeah, just wild. The so roads don't really like work well i mean they mm. work well there's a lot of potholes it's like the system is you know it's like uh, the wild west we mm. call it. yeah
0: so i know many people that have traveled uh, quite a bit mm. uh, but i don't know so many that have written a book about it so why have you chosen to write the book the magic of travel mm. and what's your intention behind the book
1: yeah beautiful question i think why i chose i mean it kind of came to me the project uh, i mean i've been a writer since f- forever pretty much and uh I'm yeah. I'm writing about conscious living uh, and I actually just basically got asked by my current publisher if I would be open to write a book because they approached me usually if the, so some books could be mentioned in the magazine if they would fit but um, then one day like four years ago he asked me like hey but did you ever consider writing a book yourself and I was 27 at the time so I was like mm, I mean I don't know if you're a writer maybe this is something that crosses your mind one day Plus, I come from a writer's family. My dad just, like, was a writer. So, I guess it's it's in your mind. But I thought this is something you do when you're... Older. Older, you know? When you're way more experienced um, in life. But, uh, yeah. So, that also I had to think about it a little bit. But then I thought, wow, no. There is actually some, some topics that I would really like to, like, write about. And then the conclusion was, like, uh, the topic was going to be traveling. Because it's, yeah... It comes together with so many other different topics uh, and I think it's kind of like a life philosophy that I somehow have Uh, came all down actually to traveling when we started to brainstorm about the topic so that's how in the end um, the book came together and I guess my intention behind is to inspire people to if you are privileged enough to do so uh, choose their lives consciously and I think traveling is a great And the fastest tool for that, you can do it in many different ways.
0: But uh, yeah. So you mentioned travel is a bit of a life philosophy. In your book, you open um, with part of an article that you've written online, where you share that typically through life, you first go to school and then high school, then you can go to study and then work. And you kind of wanted to break that uh, pattern a bit. And of course, you're not alone. Uh, like philosophers have uh, written about it, like Ellen Watts, you mentioned, like life is not a journey. But what is kind of the message that you want to convey with breaking maybe that pattern or or making conscious choices in that?
1: I guess with that specific column, it's it's so nice because the, the column, the title says there's more to life than working and studying. And this is also, I wrote this in 2019 when I, yeah, Just like was discovering like my adult life, I guess, in Mm -hmm. a way. I came back from years of traveling. And yeah, you have to make conscious choices how you are designing your life, literally. Uh, And it's actually a sentence that my mom always said. Life is more about uh, about more than working and and studying. And I guess especially we come from a place in Western Europe where life evolves around about your study, your grades, what you do after. If you meet someone in a bar, I remember in Amsterdam, then... Like, hey, it's my name. And then you ask the other person, what do you do? And then by what do we do, we link it to your career. Mm -hmm. Ask this in Australia or somewhere else where I lived in Africa. Then what do you do? It's like just what you do on Daily Base. Like we so associate our personalities. We identify that with our jobs. And it's so funny because every time I was traveling, it wasn't like that. You know, like, I mean, no many places around the world, like where I've traveled to, where your job your career is not so much a big thing you know like of course Mm -hmm. it's super nice to feel purpose but this is possible in many other ways and i guess every time when i uh came back from traveling like i felt this big change again from fuck oh yeah i need to be something again and do something good and i mean yes I was ambitions and yes i have passions but i felt so forced you know and this uh, was not the flow that i like to live um don't know if that was answering your question. definitely answering my question. I yeah. can
0: uh, tell you that I interviewed uh, Max Stossel. He's an American poet and comedian mm-hmm. that uh, shares his wisdom on stages. And he has a, cl- a two-minute clip. <clears throat> it's called What Do You Do? Yeah. And someone asks him, what do you do? And then he answers two minutes, like this ridiculously funny yeah, 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 story yeah, yeah, yeah. that you would never expect. Yeah. When yeah, yeah. he's in a bar, instead of saying I'm a poet, he has this, like, this two-minute yeah, answer. You
1: say? I used to have this also. It was very like... Um like against the this kind against of, the
0: mainstream maybe? yeah
1: and then when someone would ask me like what do you do? I was like what do you mean? what do I do for work or what do I do I chill. like even here people ask what do you do here I was like God oh. and then I explain my day, you know yeah, but it's so funny like how we a society kind of presses you in it is also more city life, obviously, but um
0: and how do you anything, think um if you look at history or culture? Uh, why it is like that, that in cities uh, we refer uh, the what-do-you-do question to work? Why do you think that has happened?
1: I mean, I guess it also makes sense more, because the city life is more fast. There's more to do, you know? There's so much entertainment. You don't need to think about, hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to be bored, right? It's like uh, theaters, there's cinemas, there's like bars. There's like many different like, job opportunities these days, you know? I mean, in a way also... If you choose a job, it kind of says something about you because these days there's just so many different jobs to do. So I guess it's also just like a a fast-paced life that you just easily roll into. Plus you are surrounded with people that live the same life, you Mm -hmm. know? So also when I go back to Amsterdam, I kind of get into this, sorry, rushed feeling, you know, like doing 20 different things in one day, you know? I get into that back again as as well. Um, And I guess when you're in a place where life is a bit more slow when life involves a bit more around the natural elements, the weather, the water, the whatever is going on, or farming or whatever, then, yeah, I don't know. It just simplifies life a little bit. And I guess city lives are somehow more complex. There's more systems going on. And then, yeah, I guess it's also, yeah. I mean, also the world wouldn't really, maybe, how do you say, run without these systems in cities, but, um, yeah, it's funny.
0: Yeah, and I think... um uh, related to um, what do you do and city life and yeah, working. I think in your last chapter, you mentioned uh, Rutger Bregman in an article that the best solution to many problems is working less. Yeah. Uh, why have you included uh, his uh, point of view in your book?
1: Um, I guess I tried to include a lot of different points of views in the book. Like I, I mentioned many different uh, writers, philosophers are like experts in some topics. Um, I think also because I mean work ethics, I think it's a super interesting topic because why does work need to be five days a week, nine to five? In our society, where where we are from, Mm -hmm. this is normal. You step one step aside of the bubble and it's not so normal. Yeah. There's many different ways. I mean, you can have many different jobs in many different hours. And it doesn't mean that you're not doing something with purpose or not doing something good with the world or not doing something good with your life. But there's just so many different vari- varieties <laughs> of of working. And we just so hammered for some reason to this one way of working uh, that I found it super interesting that Rutger Brechtman was... Um, yeah, mentioned this, I mean, it was a point of view of his, rather right? it's like a theory that he has that, um, yeah, there's just, the, you cannot be, uh, how do you say, productive for 50 hours mm-hmm. a week, it's impossible, how many hours in the week are you really productive, so I, me me too, like I don't work 8 hours a day, I don't, and I probably will ever do, yeah. not on a computer at least, maybe if you work on a land or whatever, yes, but uh, this way of thinking is like, I think it, yeah, there's interesting mind shifts to be made, I think. So
0: during traveling, you met different people that approach work differently and maybe speak less about it. Can you give one example of a person that you've met during your travels that inspired you to think differently about work? I'm sure you've met many.
1: Um, About work, maybe not so much. Or about life. But about, yeah, work maybe unconsciously. It was not maybe one person, but I remember coming in, this I also mentioned in my book, I came to Australia and I was there for some years and I was also living in a small town and life was a lot living outside and there was no big buildings, there was no people in suits, there was no offices, no people just work in restaurants or as carpenters or whatever, you know, like just to get by and life was just not work. And then I really, and I was started my 20s back then and I was like, wow, there's people working here in a little cof- coffee bar, not a Dutch coffee shop, like, like a no coffee, coffee bar, <laughs> and uh it was nothing weird, right. there was no questions to be asked, it was just, uh, it was amazing, like people ask you, ah, great, but you do my work, at the end of the conversation maybe it comes towards that, and then sometimes oh, I make coffee and uh, that's it, and then it's just next topic, like it's not a big deal, whereas like, I mean, I could so imagine being back home, like uh, being 30, people would look at me a bit differently, like, hey, you haven't really like... Uh, made anything in life or how do you say, um, reached anything in life yeah. maybe you know uh if you s- decide to work behind a coffee bar i just did it and and i think that was so nice it like opened my eyes in so many different ways like hey there's just more to life than just uh you know choosing you know? choosing and for actually what society is expecting from you because
0: so you open the book you open the book with there's more to to studying and working and i'm curious is that something you uh, indeed received from your parents and kind of, you want to pass it on? Yeah. Fair. Or you, or is, it, is it part, was it part of your upbringing or, and it was accelerated mm-hmm. during travels or did something in happen in your life that you wanted to change or where, where does it come from?
1: Well, actually what I was saying before, my mom said, Rose, there's more to life than studying and working, you know, enjoy. And of course I did my studies journalism. I was like a 19, a reporter for the newspaper already. I was like, always was working and I had my shit together, but, I also wanted to be like, I don't know, like I was also super curious, I still am, and uh, I wanted to be out in adventures and I was always um, everywhere at the same time. And my mom, because my dad passed away now 10 years ago, almost, uh, always encouraged me to do this. So yeah. she she understood, of course she missed me when I'm, I'm abroad, but she, she, she's happy for me. So no, I didn't feel this pressure of I needed to study. Obviously they are happy for me to have a good education. But I never felt the pressure like you need to study economics or like no. a good job. No, I never felt this. But I did feel pressure from society in a way. Yeah, yeah. and I guess that's why I became this advocate for it because uh, it changed my life. Yeah. Well, it changed it. I see a big difference from where I'm from and a lot of other places in the world. Yeah. And I see people struggle in Holland a lot. The numbers of us being stressed is ridiculous. Burnouts. It's like higher than. Whatever, and we're one huh? of the richest countries in the world. Like, what's going around?
0: Yeah, so you felt pressure from society, and this has enriched your life. So you want to inspire others. You also mentioned that your father passed away ten years ago. Mm, has yeah. that uh, influenced your your view on life, or influenced your your um, uh, wanting to travel?
1: Mm, interesting question. I, I got this a lot. Like, oh, you probably started traveling because your dad passed away. But actually, I always wanted to make uh, these world trips since I was. Yeah, since I started meeting people from abroad, I lived in Berlin for a while, and then this was anyone was still alive. And I met all these different people, like in Berlin, from uh, different countries, and I was like, "What? this is amazing. I mean, you know there's people living in other countries, but I never really thought how that life would be there. Like mm-hmm. physically, people having friends, and also the lives that I had, but then in another country. So I knew, okay, as soon as my thesis is finished, I'm going to travel. Like the same day, I book my flight and go. But that took very long because uh, I was uh, also a lot in Berlin. <laughs> stuck in the clubs. A lot of parties in, and in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. And, uh, in
0: your book, you mentioned that the uh, yeah. system of the school was not so good, but maybe it's yeah, more, yeah, yeah. more the parties.
1: <laughs> no, it was definitely the the system of the school, but also the parties. <laughs> was, uh, I mean, then it got denied again. I uh, had three months. I went to the clubs. Uh, it was so funny. But also, my dad passed away uh, the year after. So that also took its toll. Yeah, really, I yeah, had to uh, uh, actually grieve from that for, for a long time also. But yeah, I still want to make this this big trip. And actually, before he passed away, I already uh, made an amazing trip with a friend from Berlin. We bought an old Volkswagen T3, mm-hmm. painted it green. And yeah, we traveled through through the Balkan countries, so through Eastern Europe. And we started working on festivals, doing face paint, face glitters, braiding feathers and hairs, which I still do around here sometimes. It's quite funny. Um, So I already did this beautiful trip that was so cool. Um, And before I was also living abroad. So I I mean, this was in me, but I wasn't ready to leave, you know? um, So
0: so so, so it was already in you, but losing your father has not accelerated it. That's kind of a separate experience. No, I think I
1: I waited longer also for that to leave, you know?
0: But has it um, uh, influenced your, uh, your view on life? Uh, or Maybe my question is too suggestive, if the answer is no, yeah. then I accept well, that I answer. Don't
1: know. I don't know if it has... I I don't think so. I mean, I was 21, and I guess you change all the time. And I don't know how I would have been if you would have still been here. And no. you have always been a superfood person, and I wanted to travel, I would have traveled. Anyways, but uh, I don't know if it really discovered this change, if you say, yeah, no. Not so consciously, I don't think. No. No, I mean, he also, for him, because he was quite a bit older, I think he was for his his generation also quite quite open-minded and quite free, like mm-hmm. a free soul. He was always also, but like not traveling over the world, but in a country and he had like his things, you know, like, um, yeah, I think he was also this free soul. So I think, I don't know if it made me think about life no. much different than otherwise, but yeah, and who how, knows? Huh?
0: How has it been to uh, be a child of uh, two writers? Like... I, I, every writer is different so I'm, I, there's no stereotype answer but mm-hmm. it, has that influenced your life or maybe?
1: Well the thing so my dad was a writer my mom is a book publisher so okay. she's bad at writing she always says <laughs> but she's very good at uh, yeah, publishing book into a very like a, like a good product um, well how is that? well also again I don't know any better <laughs> I mean for me it was um, Amazing. Also for me now, reading back my uh, my father's work is amazing, you know, like to see how he wrote it's so funny and all the knowledge that he had.
0: What did he write about?
1: Um, yeah, many different topics. I mean, he also has been, he's also been teaching and stuff, but uh, he wrote about Limburg. It's a province in the south of Holland where he's from. He wrote for the World Nature Fund. He used to write the tum-tum. Mm. Do you remember this like animal? The World
0: Wildlife Fund. Yeah, it right? was like so... this
1: uh, magazine for kids. And he wrote all the facts about the, the the wildlife. Yeah. So this is something like super cool. You know, this is like, I would actually would really like this job right now. I like to write about wildlife. He he, he knew a lot about this, but also more about uh, religions and like things and philosophy. And um, he wrote like an autobiography, how do you say this, oh. like yeah so um yeah some different works
0: yeah. Mm. so he was also inspired by nature, so the interest in nature you don't have from a stranger
1: I guess no now you name it like this, yeah <laughs> or, yeah <laughs> I don't know. so what role yeah, does yeah, yeah. what
0: role does nature play in your uh life and in your uh travels
1: um yeah, I think a lot like um. I mean, also, of course, the Netherlands has beautiful natural places and stuff, but it's less influenced in our daily life, right? Because most of the countries just uh, organize its cities, its roads, its parks. And then, yeah, since I started traveling to like Africa and like Asia and Australia, I was like, wow, yeah, it's just a way. It's it's different when you spend like months or weeks or years on a daily basis in the natural environment and feeling how seasons change, how uh how natural systems work you know seeing how indigenous people live with nature how they survive without any what we live with you know and uh yes it inspired me a lot and also it made me realize that i i was so much happier living a simple life than mm-hmm. living this complex life in a big house with a lot of stuff and computers and uh, complicated jobs it's like it simplified life so much you know this so i don't know and um just brings you back to the moment i guess when you're near the ocean when you walk on the beach when you walk over cliffs and mountains you just sleep in a tent it just brings you back to what there really is in the end of the day you know you can make life so complex we're very good at this and i think nature brings you back into perspective
0: it brings you really to the essence of the moment right?
1: yeah and i guess also what i feel with the natural world is like it brings us back to how we came on the earth as a humankind and we made things so complex with um, cities and jobs and <laughs> society but actually yeah we came to this world in this super simple like this if I go to any mountain in any country I feel yeah. like wow this is what it is and yeah. every piece in the world is our home you know but we created borders and things and and, yeah. and sometimes yeah the nature really just brings you back to yeah. how the stress goes the, yeah. we
0: created a live. lot of stories I think there's this book I forgot the name of the writer but he uh, explains very well that humans are humans because we can work together and we can tell stories. Mm. So every organization is also a story mm-hmm. because let's say you have a company with 50,000 employees.
1: The uh, Sapiens book. Sapiens. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because every individual believes mm-hmm. in this story and then they go mm-hmm. to work, you have this organization, otherwise you don't have but it. But it.
1: it's not, uh, you can not taste it, it's, it's like, no. a, a taste, uh, it's not tangible. Yeah.
0: And I was, um, as you know, I spent five nights in Al Jazeera and then unexpectedly um, a friend of mine was there and she's a journalist and um, she's, I asked how was your Portugal trip, uh, what did you take away from it? And she said, yeah, in the Netherlands, everyone was talking about Israel and Gaza, but in, in Portugal, it feels way more remote. And then I asked, how is that for you? And then she said in the beginning, uh, she felt... Uh, It's a bit ignorant, she said, because people don't think about the rest of the world, but then when I tune into it, it feels more going to essence. Mm. Because also by talking about Israel, you're not helping Israel necessarily. Right? So she said, when I was tuning into it, I really feel I go back to Mm. the essence. Yeah. So we had this conversation and um, yeah, I think that's what nature does. And we have indeed uh, created a lot of complexity. And in your book, you also have a chapter about um, uh, minimalism mm-hmm. that recently I've had more interest in also because I was walking. Of course, you only have a yeah. few items. Mm-hmm. How I've- many
1: kilos did you carry?
0: Um, good question. So I have to admit, I have one bag that I sent with the luggage carrier uh-huh. from the beginning to the end. Okay. And then I carried, yeah, I don't know, five kilo, six okay. kilo, yeah. eight kilo. I don't yeah. know. I don't even know. Well. Um but I like uh, uh, minimalism. I always say life, uh, in Dutch: is Leven gaat over the verhalen, niet the materialen. Life is about stories, not the materials. Um, but how, um, yeah, what has travel taught you about uh, minimalism, uh, possibly in relationship with your experiences in nature?
1: So, what has, can you repeat this?
0: So, what has travel taught you about minimalism,
1: okay.
0: possibly connected to your experience yeah, yeah, in yeah. nature?
1: Well, I guess, actually, there was also a kind of story I referred to before, like, I remember I was living in my tent in uh, WA in Western Australia, uh, and hitchhiking kind of along the coast, and every night we had to make a little fire to be warm. If we wanted to do a pool, we needed to dig a hole and, like, cover it, you know? Uh, and it was very simple. Did we want to eat someone else, uh, something else than, uh, than just, like, uh, canned food, beans and stuff? We needed to catch fish, because it was super remote. And it I don't know, life was so simple, you know, I had no stress. I wasn't thinking about other things that were going on in the world indeed. Uh, but also, yeah, I didn't have much responsibilities at the time. And I really realized that I, I, I was happier than I was ever before with, like, all the things I had before, you know what I mean? Like, I just had a tent, I had a good head, head torch, I had a few pieces of clothes that I really liked because I got them from friends. They had a story for my travels. Um, yeah, and that was it, really. I met like interesting people along the way. And I think there was definitely a moment where at least like, wow, I'm happier now than I was with all the stuff I had before. And that's also how I think kind of like minimalism and nature and stuff. Uh, yeah. How do you say? It? We're more implemented in my life after also. And it doesn't mean that I never collected a lot of clothes again here in my place now. And you see, I mean, I have stuff, but um it's like a nice reminder sometimes like hey you know what do i actually need yeah. to be happy and how, what do i feel what do i need to feel good on a daily basis, and uh, i think going back to the nature and living a more simple life helps you to 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 maintain this a little bit you know and it's not that you need have just a few uh, an x amount of minimal items to to be happy but it's a nice reminder because um the more stuff you have, the more vehicles you have, the more things you have, the more clothes you have, the more you need to look after, the more you need to think about, the more you need to clean, loose, stitch, uh, give away, I don't know, find it bring, stress, it you It brings know? complexity. It brings complexity. And I think living a simple life, uh, yeah, kind of uh, clears your mind, you know?
0: So for you, having less stuff, it makes you more happy.
1: Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it just comes with less stress, you know? Yeah. And I mean, of course, you have stuff, but I also like to have stuff that I care about. Like, here's his bag that I got from this guy in Africa that he made with love by hand, and it's totally like not glue dried. Right, and it's mm. just like so, but it's, it reminds me of my trip to Mozambique, and it's a nice story, you know? And uh, that's a super old Indian coat that I love. I got it from a girl, you know? So, stuff with stories. And this is, I think, what I like. That is a camping lamp that I love. I, Took very long time with my mom to consider. Okay, it yeah. was a bit too expensive, I thought, but I'll enjoy it every day in the Jeep, and because I lived in the Jeep for a while, so and yeah, so it's nice. It's stuff with stories that I choose consciously, you know, and that's so nice rather than having a closet full, of, I mean, it's nicer for me at least. Maybe yeah. for some people, obviously things are different, but this works for me. Having stuff with stories instead of it's for sale or just because it's a trend now, yeah. you know? So you
0: like to have items that carry a certain uh, experience or history or shared connection with someone.
1: Yeah, and maybe, have a certain yeah. story. Yeah, or maybe you have like a function or like, an, yeah, yeah. like this, like double function. Because
0: yeah. I think in your book, if I remember correctly, you wrote that uh, we buy stuff for three reasons. I think one is functionality, two is for oh, yeah. status, yeah. and three is... Um, uh, for like a dopamine uh, kick. kick yeah uh, so can you elaborate a bit on these three reasons and why you included that in the book
1: yeah if, if you remember that you I wrote it definitely years but this um i interviewed a, a psychologist about this and she she explained me about this uh joshi's she's called she's amazing she's uh, a happiness psychologist right yeah okay which i guess every psychologist is kind of happiness psychologist yeah. right try to get people happy but her her name, yeah, her work title is called a Happiness Psychologist. And, yeah, so one, there's three reasons why we like to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. One, uh, because, indeed, it's um, it's we want to be part of something. Like uh, So, you, remember when you were a teenager, you went to have this, like, designer clothes or this scooter or this whatever, shoes, you know. Um, super funny. Uh, but also, now we still, like, uh, uh, these days... It's the same, you know, maybe you want to wear a Patagonia T-shirt because you want to show that you are, um, how do you say, connected to the environment, that you yeah. care about the climate change, all of this stuff. So we still do or, this. Or want
0: to have a booklet which says Camino. Oh, yeah. To show it's people that I've walked.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. or or it might be a memory for you. After. A memory, yes. Yeah, yeah. This could be anything. And then the other one was um, uh, the dopamine cake. So it's definitely, indeed, uh, we want to buy stuff. Oh yeah, so no, so let's do the second one because it's practical. We need clothes to wear. Mm-hmm. we be naked. We need a bike or a vehicle, or a car, to so so. That's practical reasons or or like un- underwear, like like uh, items like this. And then there is uh like. Hey, there are certain things in life that give us a dopamine kick. It's like uh, uh, using drugs, drinking alcohol, uh, but also buying uh, buying stuff. So we get a little kick so, of dopamine, which is like a happiness hormone that gets released um, and it kind of depends if you buy i think i wrote also like when you um when you uh, wear like a little bracelet i mean you buy a little bracelet i think you're happy for what was it like a half an hour or something mm-hmm. and then when you buy something big like a new car you feel this boost yes you know you feel this happiness level rising which lasts for like about six weeks six weeks but after six weeks so also if you buy a car of half a million dollars or euros, <laughs> that drops again so yeah of course if you feel down sometimes it's nice to go shopping and it can like like, have a nice it can give you a temporary boost it gives you like a temporary boost and of course i also buy stuff from them you know but it's funny to realize sometimes like hey why am i buying something sometimes
0: is your is your dog okay
1: (laughs) yeah my dog is eating a (laughs) coconut bowl that i made a candle out of (laughs) i have many more what's the name of your dog jumbo jumbo and his hobby is biting (laughs) (laughs) oh my god this guy yeah he's so cute he's <laughs> <His> puppy <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but um yeah so that's the three reasons why you yep. buy stuff and sometimes it's, it's it's not bad you're not a bad person it's not that you don't make it but uh, it's sometimes good to remind yourself remind like, yourself hey why am yep. i spending all this money you know like why what am i trying to reach or do i actually yeah. feel another need
0: I had a um, moment in my life, so I've never been someone uh, that focuses a lot on stuff. I'm very influenced. I mean, your parents are writers.
1: <laughs> here's the, here's the- uh,
0: Maybe we can add a video of uh, your dog later. So when my first trip, I w- when I was three months, uh, we moved to Tanzania. I think I mentioned that yeah. earlier. And my p- parents were going to work there as doctors. Mm-hmm. And they made, I think, $100 a month And uh, they had very little stuff. They were focused on the hospital. Uh, So my dad also never wears a watch uh, because the timing there doesn't matter. So I also never have a watch. I'm influenced by it. But still, when I um, was going to live with my ex-girlfriend in Amsterdam, we bought a couple of items. And then uh, we tried to make the house nice, uh, as as you do when you get a house um but when i um when a relationship was finished and when I went on this road trip, it was a little bit a step to let go of things, but it was a relief because it felt also like a new chapter in my life without mm-hmm. the stuff, so that was actually really uh, really nice um, but now maybe I'm at a point uh, I mean I got your car <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which makes me quite happy at this moment, yeah. uh, where maybe I'll add some stuff. But anyway, with the, uh, mini- with the minimalism, um, are you someone with your book and your writing at Bedrock? Do you want to give people a recommendation? Like I recommend to live more minimalistic, or do you want to more show perspective? This is also a possibility.
1: I mean, yeah, I guess people always need to make their own decisions in life, but what me really helped in my life is seeing alternatives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Alternative ways, so perspectives is how you call it, yeah. Because sometimes you just need this little conversation or you see how someone lives or you see a movie or actually when you travel, you see and feel how it is somewhere else. Uh, and I guess, yeah, with my book, I try to invite people to maybe get out of their comfort zone a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And it can be, uh, yeah, one of them is maybe living more minimalistic, yeah. Or just maybe just, it, it's more like a question, like, hey, like, because I also have some uh, exercise Reflection I, questions. Yeah, reflection questions in the, in the back of every uh, chapter. Just just to reflect on, hey, how is your relationship to materialism? Which which items do you really like? Which ones do you actually... Just so it's more like a question, like an invite to think about certain topics and what you do with it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, you're not going to be happy if you just leave me or someone to, tells you to do this, right? That's yeah. not the point, I don't think. It'd but
0: it's more showing in. alternatives and invitations and let people reflect on what yeah, has yeah. meaning to you and then make conscious choices.
1: Indeed, yeah.
0: For me, an item that became important. So I I have a bag and now I have a car, but also I bought a podcast gear. Um, I got this one because I didn't bring it this time, but two years ago. And it it has significance because it symbolizes the people that I've met uh, during my travels, the conversations that I've had. Mm -hmm. And um, I really chose to do the podcast uh, as a priority. So this carries a certain significance, but it was only maybe 100 or 150 euro when I bought it. Uh, But it definitely has, has value to me.
1: And I can imagine it's also bringing you a lot, right? You're having uh, beautiful conversations with interesting people that you meet all over the world. It's bringing a lot. So it's your tool. It's your tool to to stories.
0: Before I left on my world trip, I was in a breathwork circle in Amsterdam and uh, it went quite uh, deep. And then, as you know, you get access to your subconscious. I saw myself traveling and meeting incredible teachers and interviewing them and talking to them. So at that point, it was already like it was uh, like
1: a vision, like a vision it. that I had, was-
0: but I had to step into it because first I went to Tanzania and there, there were not so many people that maybe I would interview, but I had to kind of grow into the idea. But at some point, because in the beginning, I was like, oh, but that's too good to be true, to travel and meet- it's not
1: possible. How do you do this? interview
0: inspiring yeah. people. But at some point I stepped into it, um, which brings me to another quote. I wrote down a few quotes on your book. Mm. So one is about shamanism, mm-hmm. which I've also been exploring in Latin America, mm-hmm. in um, in Costa Rica and Ecuador, and it says that in the West uh, we live in a golden cage, that of course is a, is a, everyone knows this terminology, uh, but the doors open, but people uh, yeah they forget to get out. Yeah. Uh, but why did you? Or in- they
1: don't realize actually. Yeah. Ah, or, the or they don't realize. Open. Yeah, it's a quote, it's super interesting.
0: So two questions: Why did you include something about shamanism, and then uh, secondly, why did you include this quote?
1: I think the whole cause of me writing this book is summarized in this quote. And I happened to read this quote by a shaman in a magazine. Uh, so it took out the quote because I think that's this the whole thing, how we started this conversation, how I started this book. Like this is something I felt so much traveling and coming back home in our Western society. Like we're so free to do whatever the fuck we want, but we always think we cannot, you know, like we're, Free. But we think that they like there's always this no. I want to, but no. You know, there's always no's. Yeah. So there is responsibilities, there's high rents, there's mortgages, there's family. But everything is possible if you want, you know, there's so many different forms and ways and like I guess this this quote also refers to like a lot of people in Western society, we're way more free than we think. Yeah. But there's always a way to say no. Um Yeah, and I think we're super, super privileged to to come from a place where there's a healthcare system that you can rely on. There's a social net, like a yeah, like a Vangnet how do you say, like yeah. a system also to rely on. Um there's jobs and like it's it's and when you travel to other places in the world it's also something that you realize that you're super privileged to travel. Mm. Uh and it's not that traveling is solving all your problems, but it is I guess uh, a way To realize that you are privileged and free and to follow your heart to do things differently if you like to choose a life that suits you you know and it doesn't mean that you need to be egoistic or something but there's so many different forms of doing life and sometimes we forget because we just we get used to what we see what we're surrounded with your product of your environment right so if you step out of that environment sometimes
0: i really like Believe
1: it does big things or it can yeah yeah.
0: i really like that cult and i also what i like about your book is first of all you mentioned that of course traveling is a privilege not everyone can do it but at the same time i do agree a lot of people have excuses or they commit to very high rent and very high costs and then suddenly Mm -hmm. they lose their freedom Mm -hmm. so yeah it's um it completely resonates with me Mm -hmm. people like oh but you have this life but i also want to do that yeah so have you explored uh, shamanism in a ceremonial way yourself? Yeah. Or how can you share a bit about Definitely. your experiences? Yeah,
1: no, um, I guess spirituality in general is like a topic that, uh, yeah, years ago I was uh, growing into a bit more. Also mm-hmm. through my work, for bedrock, like it's so many topics I, I wrote about and it had my interest. I never really deep dive into one topic a lot, but I do was, I mean, I'm a curious person. So I, I did some ceremonies, of have ayahuasca. Uh, And uh, some other like plant medicine, and I guess ayahuasca was like yeah the craziest shamanic experience I uh, I experienced ever in my life, which I never did again after. Even though I would travel to Brazil and uh, it was on my path, but recently I feel it's coming on my path again Mm. because it's a powerful medicine, of course. So um,
0: did you do it in Portugal for the first time?
1: No, this was five years ago. I think four or five years ago, and uh, four years ago maybe. I don't know. And I did it in, uh, in, in Holland, in the south of Holland, mm. in the uh, in forest, and it was beautiful, yeah. It was a whole weekend, so you did two ceremonies, mm. it was two days, or like two nights, three days, in a very spartanic way. It was not like in a retreat kind of room now, we were sleeping outside, in a yurt with open fire, lots of music, and the people from all over the world came to, came to be there, actually. Uh, yeah, it was uh, was beautiful but intense also. You want
0: to share a bit what yeah. what you learned about yourself or is that private information? Uh,
1: no, no, definitely. I mean, it's 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 four or five years ago, so it's a while back. But um, I think my biggest lesson was that in the end of it was so funny. I realized okay, what I realized in this is like what all these philosophers always write about. But I had to mm. apparently drink ayahuasca to to feel this. But that everything in life. On this world is love, pure love. And I felt it. I saw the world as this beautiful, pure, magic, light, white, energetic ball. And then sometimes I saw these little, like, errors on the radar, kind of. And that's our egos that, like, represented Mm. us humans having these egos of traumas or frustrations. And that everyone in life is trying to, to live their happiest life. Also, your annoying boss, or like this person in traffic, or a friend that you have a fight with, you know. And uh, for me, it really represented that like everyone is just trying to live a happy life in their way. And they show you the best they can do in that moment. And also for me, even though it's never perfect, you know. Yeah. And seeing life or perspectives or, how do you say, clashes with people or things in life this way can really let go a bit more of, it helps letting go of, uh, I guess, your frustrations in mm. life. But then, yeah. obviously, the work comes off, so you can drink yeah. a lot of ayahuasca, but yeah. which a lot of people, I guess, also do. But then, it's about you implementing it in yeah. your daily life.
0: But it's beautiful that you can feel, indeed, that people want to be happy, people want to feel love. What mm. I felt during ayahuasca suddenly is this this layer of love and happiness mm, that people yeah. so st- strive for or yeah. want to feel. And then I suddenly saw this big chunk of distractions. Uh, that I I suddenly saw the, the bill paying thing.
1: Yeah. I suddenly yeah, realized yeah, and ev- blue and everyone <laughs> has to pay bills.
0: Yeah. You can get very busy with it. And yeah. indeed you can have these uh, conversations at Friday night, like what do you do? Yeah, but I suddenly yeah, yeah. saw became aware of this big, like bill paying activity mm-hmm. that you could see as a more distraction from maybe happiness and love. I don't want to be naive, of course, the, mo- the money is also there, but I had this similar um, feeling. And when we talk about love and when we talk about uh, being free, one of the traps of love or not being free can be that you look for love outside yourself. And uh, I think Ooh. you also interviewed Jan Hertz
1: I did. For yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I
0: also read his book, Verslav dan Liefde, yeah. which is, of course, a popular book. So what did you learn from uh, reading his book or interviewing him relating to uh, being free and love?
1: Yeah, super interesting. So his book translates to being addicted to love and he claims that we're all, how do I translate it properly, unconditionally are, um, suffer from, uh, how do you translate this, that we all, always have this little bit of lack of love, That mm-hmm. we always seek for love outside of us, mm-hmm. because uh, your childhood years, let's say your first seven years, are the years where you learn a lot about uh, attaching to people, to your parents, so it happens super quickly that when one of your parents was not there your little brother was sick or whatever it creates traumas it, it creates a way of us not being super fulfilled with ourselves uh and somehow looking at looking for this piece of love in, so, yeah kind of in someone else so he he said in the podcast actually where me and my colleague interviewed him he says even at the supermarket if you're just paying for your groceries and she doesn't say okay good morning or bye you feel like, hey, she didn't say good morning. Or yeah. like, thank you, bye. You
0: can feel rejected.
1: You feel rejected, then we start thinking about ourselves. Maybe I did something wrong. You see, I'm, I'm not seen. Never, no one sees me. And then we get into this pattern. Rule. So that was, it was. I should read this book again, actually, because I think there's some books in life that you can read over and yeah. over again. I
0: mean you have more life experience. You also see it differently, right? Uh,
1: yeah, and take different takeouts out of it. But um, yeah, I think his his main topic and what I got out of it is that. Um, uh, is that we're yeah that we're always like trying to look for love outside of us rather than inside of us and then we start creating a story about ourselves and like I should read this book again it's a good uh, <laughs> it's a good reminder actually I think it, it would apply to my life now good again yeah did you
0: um <laughs> Uh did you um uh, consciously invite him or how did he why did you definitely choose? no yeah.
1: he was my top one person hmm. that I wanted to interview and uh yeah we reached out and he said yes.
0: No that's nice. No definitely.
1: So. I guess he's like a like how do you say, like the Dutch spiritual leader in a way or like yeah. a Dutch spiritual influence, like a big one and uh wrote twelve different books on many different topics and he came also from a super interesting place and Yeah, his work is... And he lives it, really. Like It's funny, because I I went to his home. We interviewed him in his own living room, which is also funny. Uh, Also, how he looks at love and not living together with your partner. Or not having, like, you know, this whole uh, conventional way of loving.
0: I think he also breaks the idea that you should be with one person for the rest of your life, right? But you can have interactions, and they can last as long as they last.
1: Yeah.
0: But I... Um, Oh, you want to say something?
1: No, it doesn't... Yeah, I mean, it was funny because I think he then also had a... Yeah, he was also quite open about him him having like different partners and not living together but living close to each other like something like this. I was like, oh yeah, amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah, I found it interesting. I I could also read it again. I don't know. Maybe I read it five years ago. I don't even remember. But what I... Um, in your book, I saw that you interviewed him so then it brought me it, back. Yeah. But by reading his book, I became more aware that certain addictive uh, behaviors... Uh, like alcohol or nail biting or laugh. But that laugh is also part of, it could be an addictive behavior. 100%. percent does yeah. it need to be, but I found it interesting. Yeah. I um, I quit drinking one and a half year ago. Yeah. And for me, it has been really a practice because it's also like, oh, you get a drink, you get a drink, but at some point you just let it go. And what was the
1: reason for you to let go of alcohol?
0: First, I wanted to be more healthy, but I also had challenges with moderation. So, you know, having two beers instead of 10. Yeah. But it took me a while to admit, because um, if you follow like Sober Vibes on Instagram, many people have it, that you create all these rules, like, oh, I only do it in the weekend, or I only do two, yeah. or this, or that, or that. But at some point I just had to admit that it was a challenge for me, that maybe uh, I tried six months without alcohol. I felt amazing. But then i went back a bit to drinking but it didn't really improve so now i cut it out Hmm. and for me this is pure freedom
1: yeah
0: and also in my travels it gives me this sense of home uh because not drinking yes because when i travel and then i meet a lot of people then you have dinners and before you know it uh, you can be in bars yeah Uh, so it gives me a lot of freedom Uh, so for me it was really i think bringing
1: to be able to choose for yourself choose for myself yeah yeah
0: but by reading your hurts i realized that let's say love can also be part of uh, this
1: yeah addiction yeah 100 yeah. and then you become easily codependent and all of this stuff yeah. yeah
0: so who else uh in your book you've mentioned a few um i mean you have your own stories then you have psychologists philosophers scientists is there someone that you want to mention that uh, in your research uh, you, you're still remembering or yeah. found insightful
1: uh I guess there's everyone, otherwise I wouldn't have mentioned them. But I think this quote from the shaman that you mentioned is super interesting that I refer to a lot in my work mm-hmm. because uh I think it explains a lot uh, how this world can look like, like in a way. Um but there's many. I think there's too too many to, to, to name one, I think in mm-hmm. other words. I mean, um I did interview like uh, different psychologists on different topics. Um yeah, like from philosophers to like the psychologists to the neuroscientists, like they, they all had different information and all different research that I applied. Like one of the the persons that I interviewed, because I also did uh, uh, interview travelers mm-hmm. about the good parts, but also about the bad parts. There's a whole chapter about like that traveling is not just fun that we might hit later. And one of the guys. Um, <laughs> this is Just your double dog, double. <laughs> he's like fighting with a plastic bottle. <laughs> but, um, it's Nadim, and he's a traveler. And I think he has beautiful insights, um, about life on the roads and how lonely it can be, and how much you also realize. Here, yeah, is this annoying?
0: No, it's okay. okay, okay. I think th- this is a real podcast, right? Yeah. It's reality, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good, you know. uh, um, and he just it's so beautifully into words um did you have to be oh, i mean makes you like uh how do you say just very appreciative uh of where we were born in the world and mm-hmm. how beautiful it is thing you can do something back to the world and all of these things and I think uh, I quoted so much of him my editor was like we need to leave half out I was like no (laughs) I'm going to be in there like it's so beautiful and I think it adds so much and he's a very humble person uh, who can verbalize it beautifully Mm -hmm. Um, so I I recommend uh, also following him and reading his his parts in the book because um, yeah someone we can learn from a lot I think
0: We were distracted a little bit by the sound, but I'm still listening. Now, I think I like the the traveler stories and we touched upon loneliness. That's something that I experience sometimes. Like I can have this high where I meet people, new experiences, but then there's also a certain loneliness. It also um, makes me feel that maybe I'm ready to land a little bit more or build build community. Um, But how do you... Have you experienced loneliness? I think the answer is yes. And how do you yeah. deal with it during traveling?
1: Um, I experience it all the time, actually. It's uh, a topic, especially now I'm trying to settle a bit more and uh, trying to find a. Yeah. Trying to build like some sort of route somewhere. Um, and yeah, and it's something that it's, I think, part of life. I mean, I've also spoken to a lot of people uh, that were traveling and realized that they felt. More alone in Holland, where they had all of their friends and family, than they felt on their travels, where they just being themselves, living their own flow, meeting more <laughs> like minded people. Um, so I guess you can be lonely everywhere, but it's definitely something I deal with often. Yeah, I miss my family, I miss my friends back home, and I'm lucky enough to have friends from Holland who, who also travel a lot, so I still there. Yeah, I still see them like um, quite a lot, luckily. Um, and how I deal with it, I guess I I had to learn that being alone. You, it's something you just. I chose, yeah. I chose this life. It's something I will probably always have to deal with. And also, like my solution for it is trying to build like a, a routine or like a life, that makes me feel good on a daily basis So what do I no. need to feel good by myself? You know, when I feel lonely, I try to come back to my essence. To okay, what do I need? I need to build in time for myself. I go outside. I do sports. I eat healthy. I meet friends here. I have hobbies here that I do. I travel. I I got kind of these things. So it's just small little things that make me feel good just to yeah, come back to yourself. And in the end of the day, I guess you do live alone, you know, you can be with a lot of people, but it's you at the so end so rather yeah, take care good take care of yourself.
0: At the end you you do life alone and um, you're writing for Bedrock. You also have been editor in chief where you kind of share also personal growth advice with people or how people yeah, or can advice. live consciously. I mean, no yeah. uh, inspiration. Inspiration inspiration. Anyway but you don't you don't come across as someone um in a good way that is obsessed with all these things that you could do so is it true that you uh you find balance by you know being in nature i mean i I don't think you do maybe i should ask an open i don't know if you get my point I, some people I, I, maybe get obsessed by yeah. like meditation and this and this and that you you come across someone that's relaxed about these things
1: i think it's uh yeah you is see that correct or lot? not um yes <laughs> i think so yeah no definitely but i think this is also a process when you get into this 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 thing these subjects about like personal growth spirituality can be very like a handful how do you say like a tool to like make yeah. you feel better and like it's like uh, you stop drinking, like uh, you do all the things super consciously, which is super beautiful, but it can also be very almost addictive and extreme, where yeah. you kind of become super strict for yourself, which can be amazing. But I, I think that you can also exaggerate that a bit, you know, mm-hmm. where you become super strict and like you don't see certain friends, you don't do certain things anymore. And I think also sometimes we need this to come back to ourselves and let go of the things we did before. And... And learn about all these beautiful topics you know and like in coming to yourself but also I think in the end it's beautiful when you can integrate the things in your life in a way where you don't have to reject other parts of you that are also part of you Yeah. so for me yes I drink sometimes yes I party sometimes and yes I'm chaotic sometimes but also <laughs> I know when I need more um now when i need to ground myself and i need my time in nature when i want to go out by myself when i want to go travel when i maybe meditate when i do uh, more of these spiritual things and i think also i was in a phase where i was doing it a lot then i was a bit over it <laughs> uh, and now i feel like i'm in a place where in my life where everything mm. has found its balance you yeah. know um, so
0: what i was sensing yeah. might be correct yeah, but you maybe had a phase where you were more extreme about this.
1: A bit more, yeah. I mean, I was never fully, uh, hands down following gurus or stuff, but no. I was definitely more, uh, yeah. Yeah, how do you say more strict? No, not more strict. Yeah. Like, more, more into all the new things. You yeah. know, it's all new world that you discover. Yeah. A whole yeah. new way of thinking of life, which is beautiful, but Sometimes like you get super fucking tired of reading all the self-help books and whatever, you know. <laughs> in the end of the day, it's also about you discovering what works for you. Yeah. And you—that's why reading and learning all these alternatives are good. But I think it's also important to to just implement the things that are important to you and that suits you. And doesn't have to be everything. Yeah. You know, can be in a in a. In a healthy, balanced yeah, way. Once you
0: know what to apply for yourself, you don't have to do everything. And one of the things uh-huh. that you do to reduce your own loneliness, but also to reduce the loneliness of other people, is you organize surf and skate sessions in the Algarve, <laughs> I which do, I yeah. think after this podcast you're, yeah. go- you're going to. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I also
0: would like to talk about it because that's, yeah. that's real because it happens today. So why have you created this and what does it bring you and other yeah. people?
1: Nice question. Yeah, it's at, I think I'm this natural connectors my friends say where i just like to bring people together i don't do it on purpose it happens just i mean this has started because i i discovered the sport like a few years ago it's just so fun i feel like a kid you know i feel Mm -hmm. like an eight-year-old like even though i was 28 when i started felt such like a noob but it was so fun and i learned it so quick and um yeah and i just wanted to have friends to do this with so actually Caroline and i were doing this like years ago when we came here first we this is how we met kind of and uh and I realized, like, wow, it's so nice to do this sport or this hobby with other people. And I was like, you know what? I just create, like, a, a community. Why not? And then everyone can come, all ages, all genders, all levels. And we mm. just skate because it's fun, you know? So now, on Wednesdays, we skate just before the sunset alongside the ocean. And, uh, yeah, sometimes there's classes, Sometimes there's people that hear, like, from the, that they're on holidays mm. or they travel. And sometimes more people from the community around. And, yeah, I think it's just a nice low key way of having fun and meeting people and just being in the moment
0: it's really nice and it's called algarve so does that mean it's in different places in the algarve or it's in one place but the algarve is welcome it
1: travels through the algarve ah. yeah the southwest algarve actually so through lagos sairis and now kind of but it uh, can be any- anywhere because i was also <laughs> i started this years ago but it was myself not even living here i moved to other places and i was in africa and then i was getting <laughs> in africa and then i was a uh, uh but i guess the idea is to have it here. but i also don't take it too seriously it's just like uh it's not to make money or whatever it's just to
0: it's a fun to, it's to a thing, fun thing bring kids, people together
1: exactly and it's kids from eight yeah. to, like eight yeah. years old that come this like uh yeah just whoever feels yeah. like it really but it is very yeah.
0: important fun. and fun um i'm noticing that um uh, i would like to learn a bit more surfing so when i met my friends they took me but when i don't plan it sometimes it doesn't happen so now i signed up for one week surfing camp in Sagres in december okay. but it's nice uh, when it's organized because yeah. it, it makes people move
1: yeah definitely yeah and it's nice to learn new things that is also like a topic in the book like doing new things yeah. whether it's like traveling or doing a new sport it's out of your comfort zone you grow yeah. and your brain likes this you know it has to do with neuroplasticity i don't know if it's english word but yeah, your your brain makes new neur neurons in your own So I did a two
0: hour surfing last week, and what I realized, uh, you might think, oh, didn't you notice know earlier? But it it really is a nice combination of the, the the nature, the exercise, the people, but also really switching off from digital. Hundred
1: yeah. percent. So
0: it was pretty amazing, and, and it really digital, breaks your day.
1: And and I guess in general, just life on the on the shore, you know, is yes. different. Well, it's scientifically proven that um, jambu. <laughs> <laughs> that um, yeah that there's a lot of like mental health benefits to the to servings in particular because you are in the water so yeah. they use it for therapy for depressions and like all sorts of different anxieties I think PTTS yeah there's a reason why people get addicted to this sport to serving, yeah. Yeah.
0: so that's something that you're creating and um, as you know my idea with Soul Kitchen is to share recipes or the guests that I interview share their recipes for life so, you have a lot of uh, different life experiences, but if you look back uh, at uh, more than 30 years of living, like what is kind of a recipe that you would like to share uh, with the listener?
1: I knew this question was coming <laughs> in, too. Um... No, it's a beautiful question. It's a beautiful question you created there. I think the recipe, for me and in general, I think it changes, you know, because I believe that life is changing all the time. We as humans are changing all the time. Every conversation, Book movie experience that you have, or maybe beautiful conversation with someone or a quote is adding a little bit to your yeah your insights of life, your beliefs, so for me, my recipes I think will always be changing, but it will always be related to tuning into uh to what you need to be happy, and sometimes it's way less than we think we we need mm. um and for me also it has also to lot to do with uh, tuning in to your intuition.
0: So tuning into what makes you happy and often it's less than what you think you need. Yeah, and tuning really, into your intuition.
1: And maybe also realizing that the recipe that worked last week or a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago doesn't work for you now. Yeah. You know, imagine eating the same thing every day, like it's not, then you don't enjoy, enjoy this meal anymore. Um. So I think, yeah, life's evolving and so are we and that's why it's important to keep on tuning into yourself and trying new things to see what works for you. Yeah. Whether it's work, relationships, things you do in your life, you know. Uh because life's changing and it's that's a beautiful thing, you know, and it's a nice reason to enjoy lots of different <laughs> recipes, no? Yeah. yeah. And talking
0: about recipes, thank you for sharing this one. Mm-hmm. I think it resonates with me. Uh, with bedrock you are sharing a lot of recipes on a daily basis. And what I was wondering, because I'm I'm not a writer, I mean I create, but I'm not a writer. Um so you share recipes through bedrock through your own life, but also you interview people. And a lot of people are reading these uh, things that you write. Um, do you feel this is a responsibility, or uh, you, or you can? T- I mean, t- or do you take it lightly?
1: I think it is a very responsibility, definitely. Yeah, and I do take. But also, I choose my words very wisely. And as a journalist, you also learn that I'm not. Obviously, sometimes in columns I will share my my opinion, but in general, in general. You nuance your story, right? And you use different sources, different uh, interviews by from uh, psychologists or whatever e- experts, and you nuance your words. I'm not saying, hey, this uh, microphone is you know, black, and you have to like uh, think about it this way. No, you describe all the different things around it to like describe like a situation or whatever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's not uh, that I'm telling what people what what people have to do. No, you are showing. in journalism you say you show you don't tell you know Uh, so you give all the ingredients for people to create their own opinions yeah and obviously there is a little like uh, you know we try to be a bit critical and also we're like uh, try yeah to help the environment and to create a more conscious society Uh, but uh, I mean it's not like uh, that we say oh you need to live this way no definitely not no we're handing tools you know yeah but always keep it very low key no
0: so it is a responsibility and at the same time you choose your word wisely. Yeah. And you don't always tell you know people what?
1: No, never yeah. what to do, no. But it's nice to like also for me, if I wanna be inspired, it's nice to read a book, you know, and the book doesn't tell me what to do, but it's just giving me information and with this information I take out what's what what resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's that's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Well, we're nearly at the end of the podcast. You're also going to your surf and skate. I have a practical uh, question because uh, mm-hmm. with your big road trip, you chose to go to South Africa, Indonesia, and Australia. Mm-hmm. But let's say someone is watching or listening and they're considering to go on a big trip mm-hmm. because they're inspired by your book or they want to explore for themselves. Like, why did you choose these countries and, and how can how, how can people choose where to go?
1: Um, well, for me, this was the reason because also um, the last chapter in my book is about like traveling and you don't need to travel to the other side of the roads to to have adventures, to be in nature, right? Like I'm also a big big fan of like travelling close to home, which I do all the time. Uh, but I then chose because I was a big fan and am a big fan of wildlife, so I want mm-hmm. to go to South Africa to work in a wildlife sanctuary to volunteer, which I did. And then obviously life went totally different and I had many more other experiences than what I thought I was coming for. Same for every other trip. Um, but that was for me a reason, like I really want to work with li- wild wildlife in uh, in Africa. But it could have also been uh, like another place in Australia was because I met a people from Australia. I could work there. Indonesia was on the way, you know. And now, for example, I've done trips to. I think you can choose whatever <laughs> resonates with you. But I, I, I'm a great fan of uh, traveling with an intention. What if you want to make it sustainable? Lesson from it in the end of the day. So if you travel to maybe learn more about spirituality, then the Amazon, India is an interesting place. But also you can find also this in Holland, to find like um, new cultures. You don't need to travel far, if especially not if you're in Europe. There's so many different cultures in 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 Holland even, but also in Europe we have so many beautiful countries close to each other, which you can easily travel through by bike. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can you walk. Yeah. Um train, bus, you know, you don't always need to fly or think far. I'm a great fan of, I want to still uh, sail the world or like cross the ocean one day per boat. And there's many different ways of things. You want to be in nature, you can walk. You did the Camino, like there's yeah. the fisherman trail. Like even in Holland, you've got beautiful things. South Germany, beautiful. Many different, uh, so I, I guess it depends what you want to get out of your trip. You want to surf, you go to the ocean, yeah. you want to get minded.
0: So one of your dreams is still to sail. What would be your intention if you go sailing?
1: My intention, I think, is to disconnect uh, from the world and just to learn how to sail. And Mm -hmm. I I lived on a boat before. uh, And yeah, that's just amazing. Like the boat life is so, so different than like the, how do you say, like the shore life, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're just literally disconnected from everything. And yeah, uh, but I never sailed so far. So uh, yeah, it's definitely a dream. My
0: My sister has done it for seven months. So she went to Spain and she uh, made a piece of paper that she can cook and she can do different things. And then uh, she was hired or she was asked to go on this big trip. It was amazing for her.
1: Yeah, and uh, when she
0: came back, she really didn't like the land life. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. with the time and yeah, appointments yeah, yeah. at sea is really the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Really that's, the
1: moment, yeah. yeah. I mean, also, you can't really make, yeah, you can't really imagine it until you do it. I think with sailing, it's right. Working, being on a boat it's one of these things like you just need experience before we you can have any sort of idea how to what yeah. it's like
0: well yeah. i think a lot of uh, wisdom uh, today uh, <laughs> maybe um if people want to engage with you or if they want to get your book is are there some final things you want to say to the listener
1: oh the commercial but I mean I guess yeah people can follow me on Instagram it's Rosie on the Road with Under square and uh, if you want to order my book there's also a link in there or you can find me on LinkedIn Rosa Bertram um, and the book is in Dutch by the way so mm. it's for Dutch readers uh, do you, you can, plan
0: do you plan to create in English at some point
1: I would love to oh. I would love to also because yeah most of my life and network and friends is international um, but also the agency is a Dutch one specialised mm. in the Dutch market so it has to become a bestseller Ah. before it's gonna be in uh, english translated but who knows Maybe. how many
0: items is bestseller What's i don't it? even
1: know i oh. think uh, i mean I'm, ten thousand uh, i guess something oh. like this and i've got a second press now which is okay it happened in the first two months already so let's hope yeah. push it pushes to the third and the fourth yeah, because it's beautiful i think it would be nice message to share also uh internationally internationally yeah. you know but uh, let's see for now I'm super grateful yeah. that I got to share the message in the first place step by step and right? to do this in English yeah. for the well. first time kind of so thank you for this thank you for, for your time the And um
0: and mm-hmm. yeah thank you for listening everyone see you next time